0: Hello and welcome to YH TV's nominated show, Magical Medical Tour. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Christina Suzama, and with me is our wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Hello, Dr. Woolman.
1: Greetings, Christina.
0: (laughs) Greetings to you. (laughs) Uh, Life's good? Life is always good. We've had such an exciting few weeks. It's wonderful to be able to share it with our community.
1: Right. We've got some Good shows to share with people. We're very happy about that. Uh, greetings, everyone. Welcome to Magical Medical Tour. I'm Dr. Glenn Wallman, and I will be your medical guide along with Christina as we travel through another quadrant uh, today of the healthcare galaxy searching for optimal health. I think we're going to find it today.
0: Oh, every day. <laughs> every time every we day. do a show.
1: <laughs> every day. Uh, Christina, before we uh, continue and introduce our very special guest, do you want to tell the people how they can get in touch with us?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, Though this is a show that we've recorded earlier, at any time during the show, you can feel free to ask a question or make a comment simply by scrolling down on your screen and typing it into the comment box. And be sure to click Submit, of course. Um, Or you can call us at 818-LET'S-TALK. 818-LET'S-TALK talk Um, we really invite you and your questions we will make sure to get them over to our special guest, or dr glenn Woolman, and get back to you thank you glenn
1: you're welcome i love that and remember even if you're listening to this on a podcast you can get in touch with us and even if it's later than the actual time that you're doing it we will always get back to you you know christina we always talk about magical medical tour magical I always think it's magical. Medical, it's always medical. But we don't really have the tour part, and today we're going to include the tour part. We have a very special guest with us, Dr. Sonam Dolma. She is from the Men Sikang Tibetan Medical and Astrological Institute of His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, in Dharamsala, India. Dr. Dolma has not only practices medicine, but has translated two very special books from the fundamental text of Tibetan medicine into English. She travels around the United States, Europe, and Asian countries, giving consultations, lectures, and short courses on the Tibetan system of medicine. And so we would like to introduce Dr. Sonam Dolma, and this is from a previous recording. Greetings.
0: Hello, Hello. Good morning. Hello, Dr. Doma. Thank you so much for honoring our community. <laughs> uh,
2: it's entirely my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me here.
1: Thank you. Now, in case we ever get to another place of language, would you say that in your native language, what you just said to us once?
2: Uh, that's beautiful. That language. Perfect. Wow.
1: Perfect. I like that. So, Uh, Sonam, if I may call you Sonam. please do. Thank you. As the medical guide, I always like to tell our viewers and listeners where I think we're going to go today. But of course, we never know at the end what's going to come up. But basically, we first want to find out a little bit about you, what got you into medicine. We want to talk about what you enjoy about medicine. And then we want to talk about the things that you do both in your country and around the world, uh, promoting good health and the way that you promote it. We also want to talk about Tibetan medicine just in general, so that people may want to uh, seek out a Tibetan healer for Definitely. certain things. Definitely. That sounds good to you? Super. Excellent. I like that. So let's start from the beginning. When, why, how, where, what got you interested in becoming a healer in medicine?
2: Well, there's too many W's out there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> pick, a, pick a W. Yeah, Ooh.
2: to start with... Uh, when I got interested in medicine, as uh, like uh, my memory takes it back. Uh, as a matter of fact, I grew up in an orphanage, in Tibetan Homes Foundation in Missouri. Uh, though I was born in Nepal, my parents are carpet weavers, working from eight in the morning till eight at night, and they make sure they send all the five children to school. So the best possibility is to get a place in Tibetan Homes Foundation in Missouri, which harbors Tibetan children who have no parents, semi-parents or parents who comes from poor background. Mm -hmm. So they provide free education, free boarding, right till you're up on your feet. So that's where I came from. So I remember my foster mother telling me as a child, whenever we used to have that group play, So whenever it was my time, so I always act like a doctor, and they always need somebody to be sick or dead. Uh. So
0: (laughs) That's quite extreme.
2: (laughs) And then as I was growing up, I have a lot of interest in science. I remember my uh, home mates bringing in dead rabbits or dead rodents and giving it to me to do the dissection. And... It was just fascinating thing for me to do it and how I, old were you at that time uh, I started to, I was sent to this orphanage when I was only four yeah mm. because I have four younger siblings so it's not possible for my parents to provide for all because they're working so hard from eight in the morning till eight at night and it's a strong motivation for them to not to let the let their children do the same thing. So putting them in the school is their priority. Mm. So that's how I end up. And I'm very grateful for my parents for letting me have that opportunity. Mm. Yeah. So as I was growing up, uh, uh, I'm very strongly affinated to science. But later on, I don't know with what twist of turn or which wind came by that when I was going in high school, I just uh, jumped from science stream to humanity art stream, oh. and then I so I just f- went with the flow of the wind, or rather the flow of the river, and then I did my bachelor and master in English literature, mm. and later on I realized that there is an opportunity to study medicine in Dharamsala Tibetan Medical Institute. Of course, we do have the awareness of the existing of Tibetan medicine. I've myself tried Tibetan medicine. If uh, when I was uh, growing up in Missouri and I found it very benefiting. So that kind of uh, uh, strong ad- admiration, appreciation of the system was there but mm. that was very much dormant. But later on after I finished my master's degree and was just looking forward what to do, whether to go for library science or the computer science, so I was just in a dilemma. Then somebody told me there's a good opportunity to do study, the, and Tibetan medicine in Dharamsala. So I picked the opportunity, spent nearly two years to refine my Tibetan language because studying Tibetan medicine is not easy task. You have mm. to study seven long years. And it's not only the duration of the study because our institute provides free education. Mm. yeah. But sitting, getting the opportunity is very difficult. Mm. Like after every two, three years, they. Uh, collect medical students and astro students and uh, there were 23 C's available and there would come nearly 300 students contesting for it. So and the examination of course you do have an uh, English uh, paper, but mostly it's Tibetan because all the lectures conducted in the medical college was in solely in Tibetan language. So the level of your command on the Tibetan literacy is very strongly uh, uh, required. Okay. So, therefore, I spent nearly two years refining my Tibetan command, language command, and then I was lucky enough to sit in the ninth batch of Tibetan medical studies in Menzikang and spend those years learning Tibetan medicine. And finally, we have to sit in the internship under senior doctor. And now, you can count, like, 16 years of experience after graduating. Ooh.
1: You mentioned you the us? ninth batch. Yes. What does that mean? I'm not sure what that is.
2: Oh, well, uh, to take a little bit further back, uh, our institute, the Medical and Astro Institute of His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, was first established in 1961. To be more precise, on 23rd March 1961, when His Holiness escaped from Tibet in 59, So it was in 1961 when Minsikong was established. And, of course, they started from scratch with mm-hmm. just one teacher and just a handful of students over there. And they started from two-room cottage. And this cottage was very popular, Chopra's Cottage. It's still mm-hmm. existing there. People can go up and see. It's, it's a beautiful view up in the mountain, peaceful serenity. So that's where where uh, this uh, multi-infrastructured existing mm-hmm. Menzikang came from there, so starting from 1961, they started bringing in students who were in, interested to learn Tibetan medicine and practice it. Mm-hmm. So after a certain interval of years, so they bring in one batch, and the once this is the mm-hmm. uh, this batch of mm-hmm. students graduates, another batch comes in because we are living in a very uh, small space, small community, mm-hmm. very limited financial support mm-hmm. because. We are uh, at certain times we are at the mercy of donation and sponsors from the Western countries and uh, very small amount what His Holiness can provide for us. So, everything virtually when Minzi Kang, Tibetan Medical Institute, was first established, it was started from the very pocket of His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. Mm. So, starting from there, now we have covered 53 long years. And I'm very happy to tell uh, everybody who are connected with us through this program that uh, our institute is doing a massive charity work. It's not only uh, the modus operandi of our institute is to preserve our culture, that is Tibetan medicine and astrology, and to also inculcate the younger generation in imbibing the virtue and wisdom Mm. of our tradition, and. Along with that, we also provide health service to our community and Indian brother sister and also the wider population of the world who seek help from mm. Tibetan medicine. So if I just give you an example, like last year alone, our institute has provided around 123 million Indian rupees of free medicine. We provide free Very medicine nice. for senior citizens over 35 years of age. We provide free medicine for Tibetans who are newly arrived from Tibetan because they don't have skill and regular source of income. We give free medicine for destitute families. We provide concessional medicine for all the monks and nuns and students because they have no regular source of in- uh, income. So this is one big investment mm-hmm. we are putting. And the second investment we are putting is on the research work in Menzikang, our institute we have nearly eight uh, academic departments so among this obviously Tibetan medical and astro college is very important and then we have a pharmacy pharmaceutical department which also have adjoining department uh, which uh, it's based on research like quality control mm-hmm. so and then we have herbal product research department if we get time we can introduce uh, our audience, your audience, uh, on some of our herbal products. We have wonderful things out there. And then we have a medical department who does uh, researches on Tibetan medicinal plants, minerals, mm. like that. And not only that, they also do comparative studies on mm. the herbs that are used in Tibetan medicine and other uh, uh, sister system of medicine like Ayurveda, the Unani, Chinese, and other folk medicine as well. And uh, a few years back, I also remember when I was studying Tibetan medicine that uh, a university in Vienna, in Austria, they're also doing a research on plants, uh, uh, collaborating with the institute. So they're doing some wonderful research on that. And we are also doing a lot of cultivation on the herbs, which are like... Uh, near to extinction, like many of the Himalayan herbs are in the danger of extinction. So we are also doing like, uh, we have a big herbarium, we have a big plot for uh, cultivation so that we don't Mm. harm the, what do you say, ecosystem of Mm. the uh, environment. And then we also have the clinical research department. which does clinical research on the efficacy of Tibetan medicine on some specific disease. Of course, from our point of view, we don't need to do these researches because our history, few thousand years of experience, uh, expertise, knowledge, and wisdom is good enough for us to gain our confidence. But this is a modern world, the dominance of the West over the East. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> to be in- fair. So we need to prove our authenticity. In Olden days, people don't need to prove yourself. Yeah, like the flower just needs to remain in the garden and the beers flock to them. But now we are coming to a, such a degenerated age mm-hmm. that flower has to tell the bees, oh, I have the nectar in here, <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> something like that. Uh, so uh, now the time has shown a great need mm-hmm. that we need to speak the language of the modern world through research to show the efficacy of our. Mm-hmm. Medicine for certain illnesses, and in our own community level, we are also doing a lot of survey on the prevalence of many illnesses like hypertension, like hepatitis. Because you know, the emotional trauma Mm -hmm. and uh, that kind of continuous threat of annihilation of our very identity is always breaking at the backbone of Tibetan people, so there's always that. Constant trauma effects lingering in Tibetan community. So, there's a lot of uh, people, not only inside Tibet, but also in the diaspora, that people have many episodes with uh, upcoming hypertension and many of uh, depression, like that. Compared to the Western, obviously, it's not that pronounced, but still, then, compared to our elder generation's health mm-hmm. parameter, we are subjected to much of these kind of problems. So uh, we are also doing a certain kind of survey where we, we know uh, what's uh, level of the parameter that our health danger are confined to. And like that, we have other research departments too.
0: Mm. Isn't that amazing, um, Glenn, that we hear right now that there's hypertension and stress in Tibet. And we speak about that quite often on our show because here in North America, there is it's rampant. Everybody, uh, children, you know, elderly is is all that hypertension, the stress, and so it seems like it's across the world wherever definitely. we are. Definitely, <clears throat> definitely.
1: Yeah, it would be interesting to and, and you as a translator of ancient Tibetan mm. uh, medical uh, books and treatises, etc. <clears throat> I wonder if they had information on those things at that time, some of the illnesses that we see in the modern world now, were they mentioned in those books? Or did you have to go through creation and increase the knowledge to Tibetan medicine to treat some of these modern diseases? Is that clear?
2: Yeah. Glenn, probably you would be... uh struck because if I tell you in a medical text, the fourth tantra, it has very clearly predicted that during, there would come a time, and they have even specified the length of the time, at the degeneration time, at the 10th stage of the 15th cycle of the prevalence of the Buddha teaching, there would come a time when people engage in so many of negativities mm-hmm. and indulges in so much mm-hmm. of misdeed and disloyalty, disharmony in the environment and among the clan, among the population, among the dharma, Mm -hmm. sangha that would disturb the harmony of the environment. When we say environment, it does not mean the air or the plant. We see even we include also the spirits that's in there. So we say that due to that kind of jealousy, animosity, grudge, hatred, that kind of belligerent nature, Brings up the disharmony and it disturbs the harmony and equilibrium of all the beings that exist. Then it will result in such a kind mm. of violent eruption of diseases, like many of the what is do say, um, uh, epidemic mm-hmm. that would come <clears throat> at this time. So the time we are going right now very strongly sees of this and uh, attacks also tells you about many of the epidemic nature of disease, like uh, it very clearly tells about some disease which are so so subtle that very fine changes can bring about a drastic mm. uh, manifestation in the body. And then hypertension and stress is not a big thing. It's mm. very gross compared to all the subtle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you Do you think that Western medicine approaches these subtleties the same way that Tibetan medicine does? Uh,
2: yes and no both.
1: Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because okay. uh,
2: there are a greater number of uh, physicians in the school medicine, I would say, the allopathic medicine, who have very compassionate, mm. very concentrated, very focused on human value. So these people definitely are working to eliminate this problem. And they are really a good messenger and a good medium to get rid of this problem. But I'm sorry to say equally, it's not only in Western medicine, but also in other systems of medicine. Mm -hmm. It's very individual. Like There are people who use this system Mm -hmm. as a mechanism, as a medium, as a mode to serve their own short-term purposes. So these are the devil which are everywhere, we can't help Mm them.
1: You know, Earlier, when you were giving us a little bit of an introduction into some of the research that you do, you compare healing methods, uh, Ayurvedic, for example, maybe traditional Asian medicine, Western medicine. Uh, what does Tibetan medicine have to add to the process of pick one type of a, an illness, whatever you like, and give us an example of how Tibetan and Ayurvedic and Traditional Asian and Western medicine may look at those differently, and what you would add to that.
2: Uh, on a very outline, one uh, very prominent differences as between this Oriental and Occidental system of medicine is that in the allopathic system of the Western system, they are very specified; they are very segmental. Whereas most of the oriental system of medicine, like Tibetan medicine, Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, Yunani, Sita, they are more of a holistic system. And if, if I'm allowed to speak specifically of Tibetan medicine, Please do. I would say Tibetan medicine is uh, not only holistic, but integral system of medicine, which look at a person as a whole. Whole in a sense that we do not look, mind as a different integral body as a different integral. We do not. We do not polarize these two important Mm -hmm. factors Mm -hmm. of whole samadhi. Mm -hmm. We see them together, a human physical body with a mind palpating with consciousness. Mm. So when these come together, we have the whole thing. So that's the outer superficial differences. But when we go more deeper into it, if you ask me to pick up one particular problem, then I would say there are a lot of all 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 illnesses can be addressed from completely different uh, angle of observation and let's see these many of the mental problems, like in school medicine, they have a different approach from the psychiatric they have completely different mode of answering those problems, whereas in oriental medicine, particularly in Tibetan medicine, we see these mental illnesses not only as a chemical reaction in the body we see it. That's the energy difference. We, Tibetan medicine talk about three principal energies of lung, tipa, pekin, which are composites of the again, lung, tipa, and pekin. Okay. Lung, we believe, composites of air element, tipa composites of fire element, pekin mm. of earth and air, water element. So all this mental problem, we attribute more to the disturbance of the wind or the lung nature. Mm. Apart from that, individual history plays a very important role. Then individuals, constitution, personality, nature, Mm -hmm. again plays a very important role. Even a person who dwells in a circumstances, environment, which is very much traumatic, if his nature is calm, Mm -hmm. peck and type, what we say, very tolerant, then he would not end up Mm -hmm. being in a mental hospital. So likewise, season also plays an important role. Diet, lifestyle very important. Even if you're born with the person, with the nature having a very uh, cool predisposition, if you're put in a circumstances where you indulge a lot of diet, drinks, having very light, deprived of nutrition, or like, what do you say, Mm -hmm. Uh, lack of uh, nutrients, nutrients in a sense, lack of consistency, lack of substances, then ultimately there would be a huge amount of wind accumulated in your body, despite you being a very uh firm or substance predisposition disposition, then there's every possibility that you would end up getting into a mental problem then lifestyle equally plays an important role, and then very important factor your karma plays an important role mm-hmm. too so a lot of so that's how we look into it in this
1: when that was very good, thank you that was well, really yeah. helpful to me christina knows I all know. this already <laughs>
0: no, <yeah. laughs> no if i had my ball i would be bouncing right. <laughs> yes.
1: that was very good
0: you do the calibration don't
1: <laughs> when I, each each time you speak of something i'm sure both of us are just thinking of many questions the next question right or, or the next 12 questions <laughs> okay. but you travel around the world yes. and you give lectures mm-hmm. and you talk to, do you talk to medical students or do you talk to physicians or do you talk to the public? Uh, When you give your lectures, that's one question. And the I told you I have many, right? Yes. And so the second part of it is, when you are lecturing, what is the focus of most of your lectures? What is the message that you're bringing?
2: Well, uh, uh, to be frankly, it depends. If the audience is small, and very uh, specific, like medical field, then definitely what the audience demands you to speak. Obviously, obviously that subject would be talked dealt with. But then, if it's a specific medical field, then we would be very technical. But if it's a general public, then we would to give a short introduction of what Tibetan medicine actually is, how we look into individuality how we look, how we understand body in a healthy state, how we understand body in a disease state. Mm. According to Tibetan medicine, disease and healthy is nothing but balance and imbalance. Once your balance is in a healthy state, in a dynamic equilibrium, mm -hmm, homostatic equilibrium to be more technical, then we are in health. And once this this Mm -hmm. harmony is disturbed, not necessarily disturbed in this place, even if it's little increased or little decreased or deficit, Nothing but a manifestation of illness. So this is where the differences or the thin line of the hell and disease is, is. So in a public audience, I normally take them a little bit to the background of what Tibetan medicine, how we look into human being, how we look into mind, and how Tibetan medicine talk about the origin or the cause or the source of human body is, human mind is, because in school medicine you say where your body comes from, the zygote, the sperm, the ovum, and all this thing. But when we trace and when we try to look into where your mind comes from, then you're lost.
0: <laughs> so we tell That's them very clearly
2: we tell them clearly how Tibetan medicine tells where you are born, how your physical body is, comes from the previous continent, how your mind comes from the previous continent of your previous lives life's mm. consciousness. So uh, we also take them about uh, how we look into patients. Like, many people are just wonderstruck with how different doctors, without any help of the modern sophisticated gadgets, just could go into your body and see what's problem with you. I can just look into your urine. I'll just observe you virtually. Even the color of the clothes that you're taking could give me a good indication of Uh-oh. what your problem <laughs> is. So be careful. And then I can check your pulse, and then I can come out with that diagnosed. We don't need light, no internet, no wiring around, just six fingers. Do
1: you you take the pulse like I know in many of the oriental so to speak, mm-hmm. they take pulse, look at the tongue. Yes, definitely. And, and that's definitely. part of Tibetan medicine.
2: Definitely. So uh, during the public talks, I tell people a little bit about how a diagnostic principle is, how a diagnostic method is, how the therapeutic principle is, how the therapeutic method is. So give them a little bit of like uh, outline of how mm-hmm. Tibetan medicine works.
1: Do you get a sense when you're speaking with uh physicians, medical students that are training in other ways, that they're interested and want to learn more?
2: But Don't ask me that.
1: I wasn't even thinking about that.
2: There's such a big hunger, <laughs> especially from the Western school practitioners, to learn about Tibetan medicine. And right now, just last week, our institute has finished giving a 10 day course to a group of medical doctors and nurses coming from Minnesota University. Ah. Dr. Ooh. Cameron was conducting this for the last seven years, I think. So every but, year she comes with a group of doctors and nurses. And then there, and then uh, this was before I left India, a group of French doctors, some 40 something, who visited Dhamzala and they had two, three days. Uh, no courses in Tibetan medicine, very crash courses. How can you just yeah. uh, put seven years <coughs> seven of studies into three? It's not possible. Still, then it's just to say, oh, this is how the pickle tastes. So,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yeah, we do, we do, we do have enormous interest putting in, in Tibetan medicine. Mm. So, therefore, our doctors, the lecturers in um, medical and astro college, are just filled with headache. I would not say hypertension, but headache for. <laughs> running one course after another and then they also have to manage our own student. Mm. So Mm. just with that episode you would uh, have an inkling of how hectic and how many like Mm. demand for Tibetan medicine not only on a patient eager to get uh, health Mm -hmm. uh, benefit from Tibetan medicine but also from academic, Mm -hmm. intellectual Uh Uh level too. And uh, speaking a little bit about the research and all this research I told you are not done independently by institute in collaboration with other universities. We are doing research in collaboration with uh, National Medicine uh, Institute in Israel. We also have uh, research uh, with uh, some university in the United States. Uh, Probably I'm not allowed to name out. Uh, Then also from England. Uh, Yeah. And... uh, all in the Institute of Medical Science in New Delhi, which is the Apex Medical Institute in India, have a strong in collaboration mm. with Tibetan medicine, particularly in research parameters.
0: Mm-hmm. And when you say research, is is that in uh, all the different areas of the medicine, like from the herbal, the plants, to the the physical body? Yeah, definitely. Because, as I told you, now there's a need
2: of the time that we need to speak the world's language. And the world's language is scientific research. Mm-hmm. So, when we do scientific research, we need to follow the Western protocol. Mm-hmm. So, this protocol is established based on the modern school medicine, mm-hmm. modern scientific research. So, definitely, all these biomedical uh, testing, all those uh, like collaboration of the physical. Uh, all these kind of things are integrated into it. The most important thing is approach on how you see that particular illnesses from Tibetan way of interpretation. And if it's something to do with the efficacy of Tibetan herbs, then the compounded is traditional, one, not based on the school medicine mm. or the, uh, the pharmaceutical products. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, a, a question, because uh, the, the Western Hemisphere seems to be Um, a little more aware now of Ayurvedic medicine. In your case, how different, if we are to compare the two, how different are the two?
2: Western? uh, You mean the Ayurvedic and the Tibetan medicine? Yes. Very good question. And this is a field where there's a lot of ignorance existing, still existing, like uh, to sum up, to make a long story short, like in 2007, uh, the Indian government, uh, because all those Himalayan region, mm. the people living there, the Arunachal Pradesh, the Assam and Migalaya, not very much, but Ladakh, Jammu Kashmir, Himachals, greater part of the Himachal Pradesh, all this Himalayan population, though politically Indian, mm. culturally very Tibetan. They follow Buddhism. They've used the Tibetan language. Yeah maybe a little bit dialect different, but the scripts are all Tibetan. So tra- culturally, they are more Tibetan. So there's a trend or the political demand or the citizen demand that the Tibetan medicine needs to be recognized officially from by the Indian government. Because mm. so far there was mm. only belief that Tibetan medicine is a medicine that was coming with a Tibetan refugee from Tibet. Of course, that's a fact. but. There's also a good number of population who are benefited from Sanjuris and Sanjus together who are good followers of this tradition and culture. So with this process, the Indian government has uh, uh, constituted a panel of experts who will study whether Tibetan medicine, and there was a general misconception with everybody that Tibetan medicine is nothing but Ayurveda, Mm. and since we are living in India, Ayurveda, being a host country and host medicine, we give a lot of reverence. But, and they also have a feeling that, oh, Tibet is a place, Buddhism, Buddhism came from India. So obviously, Tibetan medicine has a strong inclination affinity with Buddhism. So no doubt that Tibetan medicine is nothing but Ayurveda. Hmm. This is a big misconception. So
1: We're going to change that here today. Definitely. Right. <laughs> this, is our hall,
2: this is the place. Okay. <laughs> so this panel of expert. Pay attention, uh, world. <laughs> please do very seriously, and I'm speaking it with capital letters.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a big font. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this panel of expert. Mm, ha- held a big meeting like nearly a week long of course they had initial investigation literary investigation blah 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 visiting different sites and everything that was initially done so from academic level from literary level mm-hmm. so these experts like good number of ayurvedic doctors learned it, mm-hmm. acquired, quiet need and also tibetan doctors senior doctors i happen to be working there because i work as a translator so not representing tibetan medicine as such I, my uh, role was only as a translator so witnessing that on each topic ayurveda uh, address and then tibetan doctor address then at the summary at the end of seven rigorous mind boiling <laughs> boggling discussion we came to the conclusion that there are many terms mm. and many conceptions which look similar, but in the de- deeper level, when we interpret, entirely different. Mm. And approach to particular diseases, entirely different. And if I give you an example, in Ayurveda, they talk about seven bodily constitution, seven, three uh, principal energies, or that the, the Vata, pita kata, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, Tibetan also s- talks about this. So, but when we go deeper, what is lung? What is Vayu? What is Tipa in Tibetan, and what is pita in Ayurveda? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah? what mm-hmm. is Pagan in Tibetan? What is kafa in Ayurveda? Though they are referred in a similar way, mm-hmm. but when we go deeper, different interpretation. Even the seven bodily constitution. People say, Oh, I rather talk about seven bodily constitution. Tibetan medicine talks about seven bodily constitution. So people just stop it there. They never took the time to go deeper into mm-hmm. it. And when we actually went there, the very seven different constitution differs. Not all, but few. So also, like, there are certain uh, parts which have very similarity, like also in China, mm-hmm. in Tibetan medicine a yin and yang factor, also in Mm Tibetan medicine, hot and cold temperament, very, very uh, compatible. The UNANI system of medicine, the four humors, very compatible with Tibetan medicine, Mm. the urine analysis, very uh, close affinity. But when you go deeper and when you make a big summary, then there's more differences rather than similarity. And uh, I have uh, no discomfort with this small portion of uh, similarity because you're from same geographical existence, mm-hmm. somewhat same cultural background. So obviously a certain level of common should be there, otherwise we would be too alien mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would say a small portion of the system have a little common place in there, but when you go much deeper, mm-hmm. was different.
1: Mm. You know, it's interesting because mm-hmm. aside from being a healer, You're also a translator, and you're taking some of these ancient scripts in ancient languages, maybe, that are possibly different than a little bit of the modern languages. And when you make those interpretations, that becomes what everyone's going to listen to and read and follow. So the importance of that is really, I know, especially in subtleties of so many things, a word can be used one way or another way how do you collaborate with or do you collaborate with other translators to say am i am i translating this correctly or is there something that i need to know differently
2: Yeah very good question in a sense that uh, that you uh seem to understand the headache of a translator yeah because yeah <laughs> translation uh okay so translating on the table is okay but translating a literary particularly a literature which dates back many, many centuries, like more than a thousand years, mm-hmm. and then bringing it down into a contemporary language is a big job. Definitely not an easy task. And particularly, it's not only the difference of the times, but difference of the language, difference mm-hmm. of the culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there are many factors, which means a lot in Tibetan language. But when you bring it out in English, sometimes you find a good number of equivalent terms. Mm-hmm. These are fine. Translation goes smoothly. But sometimes, due to this vast disparity of the language background, certain things which have so much intensity in Tibetan language, when we bring it out into a similar, a near word, then it becomes so light. Mm. Much of its profoundness just evaporates, lost in the thin air. Mm. So at that time, we are in a deep fixation we are translating or transmitting one culture into the next, then we have a big responsibility. And the modus operandi of this translation work by our institute, why didn't it start years before our institute's running for the last 53 years? Why not ahead? Why only in 2001? Because since the late 1990s, they have coming up many... uh, books on Tibetan medicine by Western writers, uh, many writers, yeah. but uh, we also see that me, we in a sense, my seniors have seen uh, some distortion of meaning. So yeah. this pose a great danger for the delusion, for the distortion of our culture in the long run. So therefore they decided, the governing body or the cultural committee decided that Mensikang, the official body of Tibetan medicine in diaspora should make it a point that we do a translation by the doctors mm. who are trained in Tibetan medicine, mm. who speak this language, who knows English and so that they could make a genuine representation of what Tibetan medicine is. So this is how translation work came about. and to the second part of your question about how well, how faithful we are in the translation mm-hmm. and how well we could justify to our work is is the palpation of what actually is in translation. Mm-hmm. So just as I was telling you, with the worst differences in the cultural background, mm-hmm. and not to speak about the language and the grammatical uh, format, everything, it's very different. So you do, as I was telling you, the the profoundness that you find in Tibetan, sometimes when you switch over to English, you just lost it. Then sometimes, not sometimes, many a time, there are words where you don't find in English at all.
1: That happens in yeah. everything, yeah. I, yeah. in poetry and art. Yeah. When I go yeah. traveling around the world and see something like from India or Tibet or mm-hmm. China or Japan yes. and someone is trying to explain it to me, yeah. and they say, English, it, it's just too, yeah. it doesn't have all the yeah, words. Yeah.
2: And then so what we came up with, uh, we sat down and then we discussed and we said, what is our main purpose for whom we are translating? Are we translating for a small circle of experts, scholars, or are we translating for a greater number of lay people? So our purpose yeah. is to pass the knowledge, share our wisdom with a greater number of people. Mm-hmm. So that means we have to reach out to a good number of lay people who have no inkling of Tibetan medicine, let alone Tibetan culture at large. So then we decided to remain many of those technical terms which do not have any equivalent in English. So we just let it remain in phonetics. So that's how we do that. And how well we could justify is uh, difficult for me to say but uh, probably it suffice if I say that we get good number of response, appreciation, particularly from physicians inside Tibet. Mm. So I think uh, we are fairly justified in that translation. Mm. And uh, uh, the first translation book, uh, within two years we are completely out of the stock. <laughs> so we are already have done with the second edition. Mm. And uh, let me also tell you, Book we are translating is the Fourth Tantra, um, the quintessential instruction on the science of healing of Tibetan medicine. So it contains four tantra. We have already translated three tantra. The last one tantra that we the one we are doing is a big, massive. So hmm. this alone will bring out three volumes. So we are in the process, and uh, we are hoping to bring it out pretty soon. And uh, and in this process of translation, because you seem to be very uh, in deep into the translation uh, feeling, and uh, these four tantras are covered in 156 chapters and written through 5,900 verses. Mm. So when you have to bring out these verses in prose in English, mm-hmm. it's not an easy task. Yeah. And sometimes in these verses, you would come across some imports. that that would carry, and if that very particular verses, when you refer mm-hmm. to the commentaries based on this uh, fourth tantra, the fundamental text, we have many commentaries. Mm-hmm. So when we go back to the commentaries mm-hmm. for one particular verses, you will turn nearly thirty pages in commentaries. <laughs> so just Gosh. imagine, just imagine, we have to abridge all those thirty-five. Uh, nearly like that pages into a few number of English vocabularies.
0: Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's it's like the Chinese language. When, when you, we try to explain mm. what we're saying, mm. sometimes the one phrase, the mm. one word, mm-hmm. encompasses so much that you really cannot fulfill it with yeah, the definitely. translation in English. Yeah, definitely.
1: Oh. Frustrating.
0: <laughs> Interest.: interesting. 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 Thank you. <laughs>
1: I don't want to change yeah. my environment.
0: Tried to be possible. I'm
1: going to put on a blue <laughs> vest right now it makes nice. <laughs> Give you got a different diagnosis.
0: She's got your number now. I think I that's know. the next show after that's this sure is your sure. diagnosis.
1: <laughs> I want to ask you um, about it's a double question. Sure. People that grow up in Tibet mm-hmm. and are treated through Tibetan medicine and then end up moving to another country where they don't practice Tibetan medicine how do they deal with that and the and the ver- reverse of that is say an american or somebody that deals with western medicine is visiting tibet and gets sick and ends up at a at a men sikang how do they re- how do the two react when the western is being treated by tibetan and the tibetan is being treated by western do you have any thoughts on that
2: Uh, Because, you know, the world uh, at this time is so open Mm. and the modern allopathic medicine is available very freely in India, Mm. Mm. freely, I mean, I didn't mean free of course, but available everywhere. Mm -hmm. And also in China, Mm -hmm. probably now it's becoming a major health provider. Mm -hmm. So uh, people are quite uh, exposed to school medicine. So Tibetan people, when like immigrating here in America or West, Mm -hmm. uh, they do have a problem to see a Tibetan doctor. Therefore, why we we are here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, to see a Western doctor is not a big problem for them. Not a big problem because they know the system. Of Mm -hmm. course, they don't know them technically, but they know what system actually is. But probably I would say they're not very satisfied. Because uh, I've come across many people who say one thing it's difficult to get an appointment here. Mm. To appointment with the doctor. And the second time you get an appointment but doctor don't give enough time. And uh, then mostly uh, depends on the like reports of all the investigation. Mm -hmm. So uh, the general uh, oriental people like uh, had a feeling. I believe, I don't know how far I'm true, mm. but have a feeling that uh, the reverence or the, uh, what is he mm, this team, the all that they have in the oriental doctors is not much in the school medicine, uh, not from the intellectual, mm. but from the personal point of view, because uh, the doctors are more dependent on this investigation, mm-hmm. not on the individual, uh, I don't know whatever mm-hmm. it's like that, but people coming from the West to Asia, India, particularly the Tibetan community, I think Ayurveda United also feel the same mm-hmm. so when we receive a patient, we we come across many patients who have completely lost their hope here, and they have only like good two years or two months for survival mm-hmm. and then they want to. Just languish it. So they end up there, they meet with Tibetan doctors, get their pulse done, got the morning urine tested and and then they get some herbs or some decoction and some therapies and then they find they find themselves living for many years.
1: Mm. When you talk about uh the clinic that you're at. Are there many of those clinics now? Yeah, it,
2: our uh, institute has 56 branch clinics all over India. Okay. And we are rendering health services as I told you, basically for all Tibetan people. Mm. And then we also have good number of clinics in Indian cities. These are mostly Indian uh, population, and Indian common people have a strong love for Tibetan medicine. Ooh. You won't believe in our clinic in New Delhi, in Nizamuddin, if you go one uh, once a day. There are like three or four doctors, and we have more than 500 patients. Then good.
1: But no waiting, and everything is fine, huh?
2: No, like uh, many people, since a doctor is not a mission, they can at the most see like 100 patients or 80 patients a day. Mm. Then rest uh, satisfied themselves by repeating the herbs.
1: When we, when you talk about the the clinic mm-hmm. or the medicine, you also add the words at the end and uh, astro yes. or astrology. Yes. So that is part of the medicine yes, yes. there. I,
2: I, I wouldn't say part of the medicine because okay. it's uh, related with medicine. Okay. I would not part because uh, our institute runs on twin system: the Tibetan medicine and the astrology. It's independent system in itself but has good connection with each other.
1: Mm-hmm. And we're going to be interviewing yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Wonderful. Yeah, soon to to learn about that. Uh, Christina, any thoughts on...
0: I just find it so fascinating between the the Tibetan and the Ayurvedic. And here you are with your clinics in India. Now, do you also have clinics in Tibet as well? No, no. In Tibet, uh, let me also tell you
2: that the mother institute of our institute is the institute called Menzikang in Lhasa. Which was established by the third Dalai Lama in 1960. So that was the Mother Institute. Mm. And after 1959, when His Holiness followed with all the Tibetans, came in, in. Exile in India, we reestablish our government, See. our cultural yeah. institute, our religious uh, uni- monastic universities mm-hmm. there. So, this is where our prison institute of Menzikang in Dharamsala was established in 1961 by the prison 14 Dalai Lama. Yeah. So, obviously, Lhasa Menzikang has a good number of patients there. And let me tell you, I have read somewhere in, but that was in 2007 that uh, annual uh, net profit derived from Tibetan medicine is some 7 trillion yuan from profit derived from Tibetan medicine alone. And I have also read that 80% of the postage that goes out of Tibet Autonomous Region into other part of China and outside world constitute Tibetan medicine and medicine products. Mm. This is one of... Tibetan medicine is one of the most promising business now in Tibet owned by uh, many uh, Han Chinese. Mm. Interesting. (laughs) But the sad thing is there's a massive exploitation Mm. of the plants. This is a sad thing. Mm. Mm. Let's pray. Good thing prevails. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Are there any books that people say in this country or in other countries can read that would give them more information? Oh, on Oh, definitely, Tibetan
2: definitely. As I told you, we have already translated three tantras. We are working on the fourth. Three tantras are readily available. One can order it online. And if you happen to be in Dharamsala, other part of a uh, Tibetan community in Delhi, you can visit our institute branch clinics or shops over there. So it's readily available. You can visit men's Account's website, www.min-t-kang.org.
0: So it's readily available online. Mm, wonderful. And also, just to let you know, um, at the, we will do another segment where they will share each product oh. and at least explain to us what, they are, what their purpose And the books, so that we can have one special just on all their products and books. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Wonderful.
1: We're coming close to the end of the show, and one of the traditions, which is a very ancient tradition (laughs) of magical (laughs) medical tour, goes back, I don't even know how far it goes back, but we always ask our guest for a health tip. Okay. And we would like to know if you would honor us with something that you would teach us
2: uh, to the people in the West. In to the people everywhere
1: in the world. Everyone uh, listens to us.
2: Okay. So I'll be more specific, if you permit me. So now that we're in America, and okay, also the Western European countries also included, I've observed that the diet culture and the lifestyle culture are the main culprit mm. of bringing in many disorder. Why people in the West have a lot of Alzheimer's? Why people in West have a lot of Morbus cron? Why people in Asia have a lot of cancer? Mm. Morbus cron is different, but cancer. In Tibetan medicine, we attribute its cause to indigestion. When I say indigestion, it does not mean the digestion of the physical food or the solid food particle. Mm-hmm. Digestion has different level, mm. different level. So. We say cancer comes from our body inability to digest, metabolize the food into further refined energy and retaining the morbid substances or the toxin in the body, which further remains in their context for prolonged length of time which later solidifies and grows up into belligerence. So mm. we say that uh, diet and lifestyle plays a very important role. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about uh, the condition which actually give rise to illnesses, we say diet, lifestyle, season, and spirits. So diet and lifestyle season very important. And here in the West, I have observed people indulging in such a diet culture. Hmm. You wake up in the morning, open your fridge, just go out, grab a juice, pull it down, take a, uh, what do you say? Steady, Yeah, the drink. Yeah, and um, milk, ja, yeah, and make your baby drink that cold milk, uh. and then fill your bowl with the yogurt, cold yogurt from the fridge, and cold fruits in there. Help yourself with that, rush to the work. And then for the lunch, you had a big bowl of salad. Come back, exhausted from work, then had a cold toast or cold bread or some cookies, and then... Mm-hmm. Again, a few cold things, so that 's the main 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 culprit which brings in all cancer, which brings in all, all kinds of uh, illnesses. Mm. so I think if the people in the West can could do little less of all these cold things, cold drinks, ice cold, everything indulging in cold environment, if they can increase a little bit of more warm foods. Mm more cooked food, that would do a big, big help. At more least. natural food. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. No question about that. And at least if they can do the breakfast and dinner warm, mm. feed the children with warm breakfast, warm dinner, mm. that itself would eliminate 50% of all the problems. Ooh,
0: interesting.
1: Beautiful. That was great. Bring on the heat. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's yep. that's right. But comes. then,
2: slow down your stress. Slow slow down the speed of the yes. work that you are doing.
1: I think we're going to look forward to having more interviews with you over time.
2: If you're not tired, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's my pleasure. No, definitely, definitely. Even definitely when you get pleasure. back home, sure.
1: Uh, why we, not? We will maybe even in the clinic one day. We'll definitely. see some of the people.
0: Definitely, that would be wonderful, very much so.
1: Is there anything that you would like to bring up in the last few moments before we close that we haven't spoken about today?
2: Uh, Yeah, Mm. very strongly, deep from my heart. The people in the West are very blessed, but I had a feeling that people don't realize that. They take everything granted, And they forget to count their blessing. And if they start slowing down a little bit and look into self, look into others, how blessed they are, Mm -hmm. and just give a little thought on the value of relationship, Mm. family institution, Mm. loyalty, and repaying the kindness of others, Mm. That have done to you, I think then West would be beautiful, and West would be beautiful, and one good remedy, I think, is to visit the developing countries, let your children go to the developing mm-hmm. countries. when you see the hard life in the s, how people could remain happy in that limited environment coming back would turn them into a much happier soul, mm-hmm.
1: definitely. That was beautiful. I would almost Wonderful. think that was another health tip. That, I was about <laughs> to
0: say, that was one of the most powerful health tips yeah. that we have. <laughs> really, really, I, I concur with all that because it was my trips to Asia and the different parts that when I saw what I saw and spent months in those areas that when I realized the happiness and the joy it doesn't take so much to have that and then you come here and so many don't have that happiness and joy so it's that's one of the most beautiful beautiful health tips really
1: Mm, beautiful it's not just for the west it's for the world Thank thank you we're really grateful to our very special guest dr sonam dolma for uh sharing her expertise and wisdom with us today and I'm grateful to all of my teachers and healers for allowing me to go on my journey. Grateful to uh, Yoga Hub and Christina and all the people at Yoga Hub for doing what they do. And I would like to say that please join us again for another session as we travel through another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy searching for optimal health. And until we see you again, thank you so much. Thank you very Many much. blessings.
0: Thank you. We have to learn this language. <laughs> and of course, we'd like to thank Dr. Glenn Woolman, my wonderful co-host, for continuing to travel these orbits with me. <laughs> And uh, isn't this wonderful? The vision continues to expand and having all these lovely cultures and and doctors from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are so honored, really. We are so honored. Um, and of course, you know, if you would like to get hold of Dr. Glenn Woolman, you can do so through his website at glennwoolman.com. And be sure to look up his metaphor square breath. That will help with the calming the start of the calming and the breathing and the connecting with your body, mind, and spirit. And uh, I would like to also say that if you would like to, on the site, you will see a link and that will be to the organization of the mensikang.org Men org, And there, I really encourage you to find out more about this organization. They're doing such brilliant, brilliant, wonderful work. And One Drop is a Thousand Waves as uh, the more of us that connect with it and we can speak and share it with the next person, I think it would do a tremendous help for the peace and well-being of the world. And through there, you can also um, see that they, their products, their wonderful books and their herbal products, which, of course, we will do a special review on each of that uh, for you on another segment. So be sure to check that out. We will be sure to put the link to that on this page as well. And so if you... Um, would like to have any comments or questions, you can do so on the website if you would like to type it into the comment box or just give us a call at 818-LET'S-TALK. 818-LET'S-TALK. Don't be shy. We love your questions and comments and we will be sure to pass them along and get you the answers back as well. So until next time, Namaste.